You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Welcome to Birds 365. He's John McMullen, and I am your humble host, Tone DeShields II, filling in for Jody Mack. We're right, right now we're trying to track down the infamous Jody Mack, but yeah. don't worry, you guys. Yeah, we I see the comments. We're, we're always late. I'm never late. Never. <laughs> it's so funny. John is always the one that's on time. Sometimes John beats me here. So, hey, you guys, we appreciate you for staying patient with the content. We appreciate you guys always locking in. Make sure you guys smash that like button. And also make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. So, John, man, we have some things to talk about. Uh, how we made the news again, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, Howie. Well, Howie didn't make the news, but it was it was interesting. Jonathan Gannon. And I was the one who asked the question. So sorry, Jonathan. Uh, he slipped <laughs> up. 
I think he got more trouble probably for that uh, than he did for the performance in Detroit, although it's probably close. But So he let it slip that how he sort of intimated was involved in game planning. So, right. you know, I, I thought I had a, a good feel. I understand what he's talking about. Um, so I didn't make that big of a deal with it, but other people, they ran with the baton. Uh, Jody you know, asked about it yesterday, but it was all over Philadelphia sports talk radio, Philadelphia media yesterday. John, how can, how can Howie Roseman be involved in the game planning process? Well, the short answer is he's not, but he's also is, <laughs> he's not involved in anything scheme related. Um, so when it comes to how he's not recommending plays or demanding Nick Sirianni call certain plays, he's not, telling Jonathan Gannon what schemes to run. Right. That's not his ballywick. What he is in charge of is the 53-man roster. And, you know, if you go back to the Doug Peterson days, he was also in charge of the game day roster. Um, so he's in charge of personnel. So he wants information uh, about uh, who's going to be uh, needed for a particular game because of the game plan, because he's in charge of personnel. Now, a couple things with that. One, he shouldn't be in charge of the game day roster. So he if anybody's up, should not. Should not. Okay. Okay. If, if anybody's upset about anything, it should be that. Now I can't get confirmation that he's still in control of the game day roster, but I sort of got a non-confirmation confirmation as we call it in this industry yesterday. So I wrote about this, uh, and and you know I managed to get somebody at the Eagles and explain the situation, and it right. basically confirmed what I thought the situation was. Evolved around information, information regarding personnel. Um, about five minutes, ten minutes after uh, my piece ran on on, on Sports Illustrated, I, I got another um, text from a, a different source. Um, trying to clear things up a little bit further because they don't want this narrative out there that how he's involved with uh, uh, game planning. Um, and that's where I got sort of the non-confirmation confirmation. So if you use the two guys elevated from the practice squad, for instance, uh, last week, Britton Kobe and Noah Tungiai, in the case of, of Britton, you know, Michael Clay, Nick Sirianni's got to tell Howie, look, we're not comfortable with Quez Watkins as the punt returner. We don't have a punt returner on this team. We got to elevate, you know, Britton Kobe. Um, you know, the game plan evidently involved uh, needing more of a blocker as that third tight end. And that's where you elevate Noah Tungiai over Grant Calcaterra's on the roster is more of a, a pass receiver at tight end. So that kind of thing he's involved in. So, long story short, don't be panicked. Howie Roseman's not involved with schemes or plays. He's not demanding anyone plays. He's not limiting Jordan Davis's snaps, which would, wouldn't make sense because he traded up to get him anyway uh, at number 13 overall. He's not involved with any of that. He is involved with personnel. It's pretty clear he's, he's still in charge of the game day roster, and that's the part where I think if you want to get upset about something, get upset about that. But don't worry about scheme. He, he's not involved with scheme. And, and and one last thing, Tone. Yeah, no, you're good. 
Um, Jalen Hurts. The fact that the Eagles spent the whole offseason talking about passing game, passing game, passing game, passing game, and week one arrives and Nick Sirianni uh, uh, feels comfortable with 17 carries tells you all you need to know. He can do whatever he wants to win a football game. Uh, nobody's looking over his shoulder. Um, so that's a perfect example of, of, of what I'm talking about. And, and Nick, you know, to his credit, um, does whatever he has to do to win a particular football game. And he said that on on Monday, he said, if I got to throw it 50 times, if I got to run it 50 times, if Jalen Hurts has got to run it 20 times, I don't care. And as long as that's the case, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and, you know, that's what I love about Nick Sirianni, the fact that he's shown uh, a propensity to do whatever it takes to win the game. And that can be understated, but with Harry Roseman, like you mentioned, his involvement with the game day roster and who yeah, plays, I don't like who doesn't play. I'm not a fan of that either because at that point now, I think that does have some influence on the game plan. You know, you're deciding who sits, who doesn't, who's activated, who's who's not. That's that has to be a slippery slope, right, John? Yeah, and that's where I kind of upset the Eagles a little bit. So I'm not going to say a lot, but, you know, I'm, I'm going back to Doug Peterson's days. So, you know, when Doug was, um, it, you know, it's become this story, giant story. Part of it's true. Part of it's not true about uh, Jeffrey Lurie saying, hey, why did you run the ball after they upset Green Bay? Why'd you run it so much after they upset Green Bay and Green Bay? And Doug was like, what the hell are you talking? I just upset Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau Field, and you're worried about the run-pass ratio. And he got upset about it. So that's the story. It's partially true. It's partially not true. Jeffrey Lurie didn't go up to Doug Peterson in the locker room right after the win and say, why didn't you Pass the ball more. I don't like running the ball. That's not how it happened. Well, well, well John, well, then what part is true and what part is just simply? Well, the oh. Eagles at that time, they had uh, meetings every Tuesday with all the department heads. So uh, Doug Peterson, obviously, in football was part of that. Uh, but Don Smolensky, the team president, was part of it as well. So it was a normal meeting. And Jeffrey Lurie always says, and this is true, he's a very quizzical person. He, he asks questions. He likes to ask questions. But here's the problem with that. Um, and this goes for a lot of powerful people, and this is what I said. A lot of times, it, it could be the most innocuous thing in the world. You know, Joe Krause might uh, pick up the phone today, you know, our boss here, and say, hey, you know what? You should do that. So that's sort of what, or or not even that, say, maybe this is a good idea. Um, and, you know, we're probably going to do it because he's the boss. And he said, maybe this is a good idea. So if Jeffrey Laurie asked the question that way, you know, and this happens with powerful people all the time, they don't realize the impact that has on people underneath them. They could be, it could be, as I said, it could be a suggestion, no nothing behind it whatsoever. But if it's coming from your owner in the NFL, you're probably like, well, uh, you know, what's going on? And that really started the rift of Doug Peterson in the front office here. It really did. So that part of it is true. More, more so the coaching staff, but certainly that added into it. 
And it's the same thing with Harry Roseman. If he's sitting there, even if it's just matter of fact, well, maybe we should play, um, you know, another practice squad guy this week instead of somebody else. You know, that could start to stick in Nick Sirianni's craw at some point. It hasn't yet, but you could see it's already happened with one coach. Why can't it happen with another coach? It happens all over the league. You have these schisms uh, with front office people. So that was my point when I wrote about it. Um, It hasn't happened yet, but why not remove it? It doesn't. You, your, your job is done. You've given the 53, in this case, 70-man roster because the Eagles have 16 practice squad plus they have Matt Leo. That's your job. You've given Nick Sirianni those 70 players, um, 52 on the 53 now, but you get the point. Um, let him do what he wants with them. That's his job. Your job, you did it, now get out of the way. So that's my only issue. And I mean, that was my expectation. My my whole thought process is, Howie, the offseason is all yours. Do your thing, make all the moves you want to make. But when week one comes, when it's time to lace it up and put the helmets on, this is you know this is my arena. You know this is my battlefield, and you know I personally can't help but to feel like the same person that built that, that built it can be the same person that can destroy it. Well, if you do the wrong things, I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case to this point. Um, and again, I want to emphasize Howie Roseman has nothing to do with scheme. He's not sitting in daily meetings. He's not recommending plays. Um, so that part of it was overblown. Um, but it does leave open the potential. And it's not that big of a deal. That's the problem. Like, we have this roster pool every year. Jimmy Kemsky won it this year. We talk about it. We have fun with it. You know, we had 51. Three other of us had 50. Okay, when you're talking about the 53, the only reason, by the way, we didn't get 52 or 53 is because of trades and things like that and unexpected, you know, Anthony Harris-type situations, Chauncey Gardner trades. Um, Like, everybody's on the same page. There's no weird, oh, you know, the 53rd guy on the roster is going to create this big issue. It's not a big deal anyway. So why push for that power? It's not a big deal anyway. So just let the coach right now, the coach, according to the Eagles does whatever he wants to do, right? That's their frame. That's how they framed it to me. So if that's Except the case, you want. if that's the case, why the extra layer? Why does he have to run it through? Howie Roseman. Why? You know, it's interesting. They say, they say, you know, a wise man learns from his own mistakes. You know, a smart man. Well, I'm sorry. A smart man learns from his own mistakes. A white man, a wise man uh, learns from the mistakes of others. Right. And, you know, Howie Roseman, he made mistakes in, in his past, you know, with his previous coaches. And I can't help but to think that this level of control that he requires, especially with the game day roster and so on and so forth, I can't help but to believe that it has something to do with fear of losing the control. I can't help but to reference the Chip Kelly era. You know, do you think that has anything to do with the way he's been moving lately? Part of it has to do with Chip Kelly. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he certainly remembers that. Um, You know, there's good and bad to that. You know, the good, the reason the Eagles didn't hire Adam Gase. (laughs) 
because uh, of Chip Kelly. They wanted Adam Gase, but Adam Gase pushed for personnel control. They weren't going to give it to him coming off Chip Kelly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly part of it. Uh, he doesn't want to go through that again. Also, part of it is, you know, he takes the blame. So, you know, Jalen Rager, for instance, coming back this week, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, he takes the blame, and a lot of times, you know, that wasn't his recommendation to take Jalen Rager. So he he's like, um, if I'm going to take the hits, I might as well make the decisions. So I do think there's been a shift um, post Jalen Rager, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I I would completely agree with that. You know, he's had you know arguably some of his best um, draft years these past couple of years. Um, arguably, arguably two of his best off seasons these past two years. So I think Harry Roseman is turning over a new leaf in terms of personnel decisions. But still, you know, I think it's something definitely to monitor the level of control he has with this new you know with this new coaching staff because if he was afraid of Doug Peterson um, getting too much control once he became successful. You know, there's no reason why it wouldn't be able to happen again with Nick Sirianni if Nick Sirianni begins to find some some level of success. We have our guy, Mark Farzetta, backstage waiting to come on. We're going to have him for about 15, 20 minutes. He has a hard out, but we're going to have some for our guy, Farzi. So make sure you guys continue to stay locked in on Burge 365 with John McMullen. I'm your humble host, Tony Shows the Second, filling in for Jordan McDonald. Make sure you guys keep it locked. We'll be right back after the break. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. 
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome back to Burgers 365. He's Don McMullen. I'm your humble host, Tone. This is the second filling in for Jody McDonald. And here we have our guy, the infamous, the legendary Mark Farzad. Infamous? On, my man? No. <laughs> well, and maybe the infamous. The, maybe the infamous. Baby. Maybe infamous today because that Jody McDonald fella, you know what? I was going to give him an old what for. You know why? Yes. He, said, he said I used uh, just for men in my beard. This is all natural. Last That's time I was all with you, John, he was saying hey, there's way too much to the just for men. This is how I was born, baby. Bald, beautiful, and bearded. That's right. I love it. I, we're, we're just jealous, Mark. Jody and I, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have that ability. So, of course, the jealousy comes across. Jody maybe had too many IPAs. He was at that Mike and Merrill thing last night. So. Oh, my goodness. I completely so, forgot about that, John. Yeah, there you go. So there's there's your in, Mark. So okay. when you get Jody Mack, you just you just joke about that. So we'll start there. Uh, great uh, to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. Right. Definitely, Love definitely. having you. Always the host of Jacob Media uh, pregame show this year. Also the Farsi show. So you can see that on YouTube, Twitch, everywhere. You get your streaming shows. Um, nice backdrop as usual. Love the Farsi show backdrop. Thank you, brother. Um, uh, let's start with Jonathan Gannon because Jonathan Gannon got in more trouble post Detroit than than during than giving up uh, thirty five points to the hapless Lions. Mm. Slipped, made a mistake with the Howie Roseman stuff. Boy, it blew up. <laughs> See, here's the thing. He's still in trouble with me for the game because I don't think that he had any breaking news. And John, I know it was your question that kind of teed yeah. up the controversy, a little pot stir you, but uh, in all <laughs> seriousness, I like, is it really breaking news to people still that Howie Roseman has his fingerprints on everything? I, it, I, I doesn't, evidently I, it, is. I, it I, is. I, I, that doesn't shock me at all. I mean, I look at Jeffrey Lurie, for instance, and Jeffrey Lurie was told Howie Rose when Chip Kelly was here, go stand in the corner. I'll let yeah. you know when you can come out. Go hide in the janitor's closet, whatever. If if that guy, if, if Chip Kelly then made Jeffrey Lurie feel like he didn't own the team anymore and not welcome in his own building, right? If that guy made Jeffrey Lurie feel like that, and then Howie Roseman was the guy to pull that franchise back, and not just back, but two years later after he moved off from Chip Kelly, won a Super Bowl, You'd have carte blanche in the building. And that's what Howie Roseman has, whether that's roster decisions, whether that's drafting, whether that's trades, whether that's cap, whether that's game plan. I'm sure Howie has a little tidbit of information for his coaches when it comes to game plan, whether that be the final if 47, whether that be the 53 going into game day. Howie has his fingerprints on everything, and I'm not surprised at all to hear JG say in his press conference that Howie is in the room when they're deciding what the rotation is going to be or what the game plan is going to be going into any given game day. That's not a shock to me whatsoever. 
Yeah, I guess, you know, people got upset, Mark, that uh, they did. Yes. And, and, you know, they say, I'm with you. Like, we all know this. So a a lot of people said, no, I don't care. You can rip us, the reporters. I I don't care. People do it all the time. But they're like, why didn't you follow it up? Because I didn't think it was a big deal. I already knew it. (laughs) But, but the one thing, because I felt I had to write about it because of everybody else going nuts about it. Um, and 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 the Eagles got back to me like ten minutes after it was published. So they're they're trying to cut this thing off at the you know at the pass as best as possible. Here's the issue: he's in control. I I got the old non-confirmation confirmation. So they wouldn't admit he's in control of the game day roster, but he is, and that's the issue. So he needs to be aware of what the coaches want. And I used the practice squad elevation. So this week it was Britton Kobe. It was Noah Tungiai. Um, They don't feel comfortable with Wes Watkins as a pump returner, which they shouldn't. So the coaches say, hey, we need to elevate Britton Kobe. And they wanted more of a blocker, a tight end. So they had to elevate Noah Tungiai instead of, you know, to play for Grant Calcaterra. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with that. But here's my problem, Mark. The whole narrative is they let the coaches do what they want. How he's not involved, he just needs to know. Well, why do you need that buffer? Mm-hmm. So just give them the 70 players. That's your job. The 53 on the roster, 52 now, 16 practice squad, Matt Leo, the forever international pathway program player. Um, and let them do what they want. Why do you have this extra layer? Is it just about Chip Kelly and – what happened in the past. Yeah. I think Jeffrey Lurie is very guarded and I think he has Howie Roseman in hero status. I mean, the guy is a Super Bowl winning general manager and the fact that he won the Super Bowl after that Chip Kelly debacle has only elevated his status even more, especially because they started out at so low, but for me, I will have a problem. I'll tell you what my threshold is for, for problems. If there is ever a story that comes out, with Howie Roseman going down to the sideline or calling the sideline somehow, getting in touch with his coaching staff about starting Gardner Minshew over Jalen Hurts yeah. or or something like that, like a story that came out about Jeffrey Lurie, Kevin Cobb, and Donovan McNabb in Baltimore some years ago. If that story comes out with Howie Roseman, that's where I'll say, all right, that is, that's way over the line. I understand you want to be part of the prep. You to use the, the the Bill Parcells line. You bought the groceries. You want to be involved in cooking dinner. Not to the point of being a head coach, but at least in those final decisions for what you're going to have for your game day roster. I get that, but the minute he starts meddling in game, that I think would be an overstep, even for an owner. Again, owner next to his name. I think that's even overstepping for an owner. It's certainly overstepping for a general manager. And I made this point on the show this morning. I said. I don't think general manager, I don't think that title general has applied to anyone more so than it has to Howie Roseman. (laughs) Again, because generally speaking, he runs everything. He does everything but pay the people. He organizes the checks. He organizes the the salary cap and the trades and everything. But when it comes to everything else, that's all Howie. Generally speaking, Howie runs the show. Hey, I heard uh, I heard Howie's been leading team drills as well. So, I mean, Howie does everything. Right? <laughs> Don't start that. I, I'm, just I'm waiting, getting more I, trouble. I, I, I'm uh, waiting uh, for the Hard Knocks episode where Howie's doing up-downs with the whole team. That's what I'm <laughs> waiting for. When do I get that content? Oh, man. But far as – I mean, you got to admit, right? It's a, it's a slippery slope. And it, it to me, sure. it's – it's, 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 it stems from a, a place of fear. We know what happened to him when it came to the Chip Kelly era. He was th- he was thrown in the broom closet. And 
you know, now he's been validated. He won the Super Bowl, and he he will never ever allow it to happen again. We saw with Doug Peterson, um, he got you know he got rid of him the moment Doug got a little too uppity. And you know what's you know what's to stop it from happening again? Let's say Nick Sirianni makes it far in the playoffs. Let's say Nick Sirianni wins the Super Bowl. You never know. This team is really good right now, but things have to fall in line. Sometimes you have to be more lucky than good. But what's stopping Harry Roseman from doing the same thing to Nick Sirianni? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, I, I am amazed still. Like we people should know the story again. Howie's show. Jeffrey Lurie's the owner. How is his number one man? Simple as that. What more do you need to know than Jeffrey Lurie? How long did he know Joe Banner since they were like 10? They yeah. like rode bikes yeah. together. How he won. How he was an intern and beat out that relationship. Like what yeah. more do you need to know other than that? And I'm not saying it was as vicious as some people want to make it out to be. The bottom line is Joe's gone and he's been gone. And how he is, is here. How he was pushed aside. How he was brought back. You want a Super Bowl. They, they, I don't. Like it's it's mind numbing to me, and especially after the offseason that he had and the the preseason Super Bowl that the Eagles won with looking as hey, look, I know it's paper, but when it comes to paper, the paper looks pretty damn good. And that's because of Howie Roseman and what he was assemble was what he was able to assemble going into the season. The the ripping Howie Roseman bandwagon, I think, should be a lot less populated than what it is. And oh, it the, be. Yeah. the stories that come out surrounding him, painting him as this villain or as this guy that just knows how to work the office politics, whatever you want to say, the guy is a Super Bowl championship. The guy is the favorite right now to have organized the NFC championship roster. That's what we're looking at. The NFC East championship roster and a team that should win a playoff game, maybe even two. So when something comes out about him having his hands in game plan or, or roster, whatever it might be, yeah, that's that's the way it's it's going to break down. And and if Nick Sirianni is going to butt heads with Howie Roseman, then this team, look, Doug also won that Super Bowl, and Doug yeah, didn't he do won. that. He yeah. won. He won the he won the Super Bowl, and he didn't do that with a, a, a bevy of all pros or anything like that. He did it with a bunch of backups. The next man up, the mentality, the underdogs, the whole thing. Did that without his MVP quarterback, and then later got a Super Bowl MVP playing quarterback in Nick Foles. How? But. Howie still won that battle. Doug wanted more control, and he certainly got that in Jacksonville, and I hope that works out for Doug Peterson. But it's only going to work out the same way every time. If Howie can beat, and I hate to put it like this, like they're totally against each other. Well, he's got a lot of skins on the wall. Howie. Oh, certainly. If, if he can beat <laughs> yeah. Joe Banner, and he can yeah. also still be ha here after Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, uh, you're going to be in for a fight if you're going to go up against Howie. Yeah. Um I will say this for Howie. Uh, I don't think Howie wanted to fire Doug Peterson. I think that was more of a Jeffrey Lurie decision. So I will. And you bring up the Joe Banner part of this, and you're right. But the fact that Joe Banner exists, you know, Julian Lurie's involved now, Mark. And so maybe we have a challenger down the Ooh. road, not now, but maybe we have a challenger. Because if Joe Banner, who, as you correctly pointed out, Jeffrey Lurie's known since he was 10, if he can lose, that means Howie Roseman can lose, especially if you're talking about family. So oh, yeah. Now, that, yeah, now we're talking about that. That's interesting. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you bring up Doug. I brought this up as well. Here, here, here is my biggest problem with the potential of an issue. And, and by the way, I want to make this clear. I don't think there's an issue right now. However, Doug won a Super Bowl, as we all know. You know the Green Bay story. They upset Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field and Jeffrey Lurie's, hey, why did you run the ball so much? 
And Doug didn't like that. That part of it's true. Now, we didn't do it in the locker room afterwards. It was a Tuesday normal meeting with all yeah. the, the football heads. It wasn't just uh, not just football heads. The organization heads. Don Smolensky was there. Um, typical every week meeting. And that's what Jeffrey Lurie does, right? He says it all the time. He likes to ask questions. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if you're somebody in power and you ask a question, sometimes the person under you takes that the wrong way. That is what I think Jeffrey Lurie didn't understand. Howie Roseman might not understand it at this point. But right now, Mark, I think Jalen Hurts running it 17 times in the opener tells you Nick Sirianni can do whatever he wants to do on game day to this point, because all they talked about in the off season was we got to pass the ball. We got to pass the ball. We're paying a hundred million dollars to AJ Brown. We have Devontae Smith. We have Dallas Goddard pass, 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 pass. They show up. They got to win a game. 17 runs. Mm-hmm. Am I off base there? Uh, I, here's the only thing I say. I think that a lot of Jalen Hurts' runs were reactions as opposed yeah, they were. to play. And, and, and my question coming out of that game was, did we get enough information to see whether or not Jalen Hurts had improved the way we had hoped he would uh, through the preseason when he was working with Tom House and working on his mechanics and all that? Uh, I don't think it's off base in terms of the 17 runs because bottom line is they still ran the ball 17 times. Their their attack was, for the most part, balanced because of those, uh, I'll call them emergency runs by Jalen Hurts. But you still saw a lot of RPOs in this game. You didn't see too many handoffs to Miles Sanders or to Kenny Gainwell or to Boston Scott. The rushing touchdowns I thought were interesting. Uh, again, some of them reactions, some of them play calls. But when I break down this film and I look back at the All-22 on it, it just comes down to how well the Detroit Lions were able to apply pressure. And they kept it coming throughout the entire game. And the offensive line, although I still think it's going to be one of the best in football by the time the season's over, didn't react well to picking up those blitzes. And I think that's what forced Jalen Hurts out of the pocket the vast majority of the time. The RPOs, uh, running the football with running backs, not as much as I thought they would. That's what I thought was interesting. But did we get enough of the Jalen Hurts sample size to see whether or not he didn't take those, whether or not he did take those big leaps forward that we thought he would? I think in this game coming against the Vikings, especially if you get into a shootout as you can against Kirk Cousins and uh, obviously Justin Jefferson and those guys and Adam Thielen, a guy that we forget about all of a sudden. This will be a better measuring stick to see if Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni's game plan surrounding Jalen Hurts actually does bear fruit in the passing game. Yeah, you know, from what I was able to notice or what I was able to gather, right, I believe if he made any improvements, if you can notice anything, I think it was the fact that he was a better decision maker when it came to running to his left. If you notice, his completion percentage wasn't that high, but the number is kind of misleading because he threw a lot of passes away because protection failed him. And he was just trying to, you know, not take a negative play, but he'll much rather stay even than take a negative play, right? But, you know, I'm curious to know, like you said, this this Vikings team is going to be a measuring stick. I'm not that concerned about the offense production. They were able to put up 31 points. But we saw a guy in Devontae Smith who didn't really get the bulk of any sort of offensive production, right? Uh, it was the A.J. Brown show. And for good reason, AJ Brown was hot, you know. When you, and when you had when you had the hot hand, you had defeated. But you know, do you have any concerns about this um this this team's game plan in terms of getting all their pieces involved? No, I, I think that it's going to take a, a little bit of a learning process here to to have this many weapons to have a guy like AJ Brown. So, like, how do you take your eyes off a guy like AJ Brown when he's a that wide open and b just that good? I mean, I remember the season where 
Zach Ertz had what was 116 catches. Oh, he's throwing to Ertz too much. Well, the Ertz is pretty good. And he's too also much Ertz. Too yeah, much Ertz. Too much yeah. Ertz. Yeah, but he's like, if you're not, it's not like you're forcing Somebody's it. Somebody's open. To throw the ball. Exactly. Throw the ball. What's First the old progression's open? Throw the ball. What's the old Steve Young line? Who's your favorite wide receiver? The open one. Like yeah. that's kind of the way it's got to be for a guy like Jalen Hurts. Devontae Smith will have those games. Devontae Smith will show us just how talented he is. I think when it's all said and done, you're going to look at two wide receivers with a thousand yards on the season. And I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just what I think this offense will do as the season will go on. You have two talented wide receivers, a great offensive line, a good tight end, good running back. I think you're going to be looking at this wide receiver core really reach the potential we thought they would when the season started. Devontae Smith will have those games where he's going to have a, a catch that's 10 yards past the line of scrimmage on a slant route that's going to go for another 40 yards. He has that type of ability. He has that type of quickness on his route running. He's precise in his route running. He's got enough speed in his game to do that. And we all know he has the hands. There was a, a drop or two in that game. He did have one catch. It was negated, I believe, because of a holding call on the offense. They will get on the same page as the season goes on. Right now, you are giving a toddler a whole bevy of cookies. All right. And that's what Jalen Hurts is right now. And he is looking at all these options in front of him. Right now, he is taking the biggest one that's catching his eye, and that's A.J. Brown. This week against the, the – or next week, rather, Monday night against the Vikings, that might be Devontae Smith. That might be Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard will probably have an 11-catch game at some point this season. It's all going to be about who's open. It's all going to be about who is the guy getting the most attention from Jalen Hurts. And most likely, John, like you said, that's going to be the guy that's open the most. And if that's A.J. Brown in week one, that's A.J. Brown. If that's Devontae Smith week two, that's Devontae Smith. It's going to really go around. You're going to see the versatility of this offense as the season progresses. All right, Mark, uh, I, I know you got to run, so thanks for a little bit of time. At Mark Farzetta on Twitter, host of the Parsi Show. New episodes drop live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. So if you get up early, check Mark out. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook Live. Um, I can't let you get out of here, so I want to play. I can't say it, you know. You know the game. Marry, kill, you know the other one. So we'll do it with the Eagles defense. Jonathan Gannon. We'll say scheme, personnel, uh, tackling. Ooh, what do you, what do you think? Uh, okay, um, kill <laughs> tackling. The like, if that's the worst one, it's tackling because yeah. I have never in my I've never in fifteen years since playing since talking to the audience and playing cuts for them. I never had a I never had a cut in a press conference that was so annoying. I couldn't play. Like, I couldn't hear it again. And when Jonathan Gannon was asked the question about, hey, do you think not practicing tackling hurt, hurt your tackling? And he was like, no, I don't think it had anything to do with it. I was like, are you serious? Like, why? Look, I'm not a JG hater. I, well, I respect the guy. But, oh, my God. Like, I could not believe what I was hearing. I was so annoyed by that. So definitely kill tackling because you saw how amped up and how uh, energetic and how after it the Detroit Lions were, how aggressive they were throughout that game. And guess what? They practiced tackling and they were pretty good at it. The Eagles missed 15 tackles in that game. So don't tell me not practicing tackling didn't hurt you. Anyway, okay. So kill that. Uh, <laughs> what was the other one? Mary scheme? Was it the well, Mary? Yeah, yeah, you have scheme, you have personnel, you have See, tackling. So yeah. what? Yeah. You know, what was the biggest issue? You said, uh, I agree with you. Tackling okay. was the biggest issue. Oh, Mary. Are you okay with the scheme? I'll marry. I'll marry personnel. All right. The, the scheme I will casually date, but I won't officially call it my girlfriend. We'll gotcha. just it's a casual thing. Have some uh, fun. We'll just have some fun. Every once in a while, it's two a.m. Yeah. Hey, you up? Anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, 
<laughs> so when it comes to the scheme, because I, I do think that I, I hate the soft zone. I hate playing back and all that. And you can't do that against Justin Jefferson and the, and the, and the Vikings. But there is a thing to be said for acknowledging you have to play to what you have. You have to coach to what you have because you can't square peg round hole personnel and a scheme. You have to fit that to your personnel. So I think I give credit for Jonathan. I give credit to Jonathan Gannon for doing that at least, but it's the least, it's my least favorite thing that he brings to the table. So I, 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 I casually dating uh, scheme. <laughs> scheme. I'm marrying, marrying the personnel. That's good. Killing, That's where you want to be. Killing. You want to marry the personnel. There you yes. go. There you go. Exactly. Man. Oh, man, Farzee, we appreciate you so much for locking in on the show. Hey, my final question, then we get you out of here. Yo. This Vikings running game. Yeah. Dalvin Cook is a better running back than DeAndre Swift. They gave up almost 10 yards of carry to DeAndre yeah, Swift. I'm going under on nine. What's the game plan? Over under carry. 10 yards of carry. Yeah. I'm going uh, under. under. I have confidence. I'm going I, under. I'm going under as well. The Green Bay Packers held him to, I think, four and a half yards per yeah, carry. Something Dalvin like Cook, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. He was 40 for 90, or sorry, 20 yeah. for 90. is pretty good. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go under. <laughs> was it? Did you get, what was the line you gave 9.6. 9.6. I'm going to yeah. go under that. I'm going to yeah. go under that. Uh, I think they will – usually you'll see them overcorrect something, and then they'll get beat over the top by Justin Jefferson. You know, it's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, no, I will say that he's going to go under that number. I think the Eagles defense is going to show up in this game. Eagles run bold, bold prediction, bold, hot, piping hot take. Yes, hey man, Jonathan Gannon better get it together. He is in a hot seat, but man, Mark Frazetta, thank you so much for locking in with us, man. We appreciate your time. We know we kept you a little longer, but hey, we know we got to squeeze you for what you're worth, my guy. We appreciate okay. you, and uh, <laughs> we appreciate you and take care, my man. Absolutely, I got to go just for men, my beard now. All right, yeah. thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> thanks, guys. See you later. Cheers, Mark. Take care. Oh, man, that was the infamous Mark Farzetta. Make sure you guys like it on the Farzee show, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Uh, he does great work, John. He does. Uh, Mark is tremendous. Jacob Media uh, pregame show this year as well. Uh, Farzee show, as I mentioned, every day, Monday through Friday, uh, does a tremendous job. So definitely check us out. I see Jody McDonald in the green room. We were able to track him down. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to hear some IPA stories, I think, coming on, coming out of the break. Absolutely. Hey, you guys, you were locked in and still are locked in to Burry's 365. He's John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tony. This is a second. We're going to take a break. And our guy, Jody Mack, is back in the building. He's going to finish up the show with you guys. Keep it locked. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. And good morning, birds fans. Good morning, because I got a good night's sleep, as in overslept. Uh, my apologies. I was worried about too many IPAs. You were that much. I would Merle love thing. Johnny Mac. I would love to be able to come on and say the party was so good. I just <laughs> kept drinking, and all of a sudden, I realized I shouldn't be driving, and I had to Uber all the way back from uh, Bridgeport, PA, which is just north of King of Prussia. I wish that were the case. Oh, no, I, I was home in time watching end of AEW. Not a problem. Uh, you may not hear. Well, you never hear anything in the background because I hit the mute button. Um, I'm surprised my computer's working because we took a power hit somehow, some way, sometime in the middle of the night. Uh, and my alarm clock went to uh, midnight, the, the flashing 12. Yeah, when the alarm the flash, clock goes flashing down. 12. Yeah. And uh, right now, I got no cable service. It turned turn off the box, turn back on the box. I got zippity doodah. So uh, uh, my apologies for the uh, inconvenience and uh, my tardiness, but it was because of a power hit in the uh, local neighborhood. I got the best alarm clock in the world, Jody. Really? Where'd you get? I, you know where my you know where my alarm clock is? It's a clock radio that I'm guessing I purchased. In about 1985. There we go. Still got one. I Where do you had get the this, parts to fix that thing? I no. had this when I worked in Connecticut for ESPN. And then moved back to New York. Uh, brought it with me and perfectly fine and worked. And uh, when I moved here to Jersey, I brought it with me again. The thing is, it's got to be 35 to 40 years old. 
but it works. The only time it ever goes out is, well, it works to a point, I guess, because when we take a power hit, it does uh, revert to uh, 12, 12 midnight. Um, yeah, it's got to be 35 years. Maybe I should invest in a new one. What kind do you got? Uh, my dog, 630, uh, up, wants to eat. Not mine. Wants to my, eat. My dog, my dog is good in that she, well, she doesn't get the, the old man up, uh, but she it's so funny, and we'll get talk, talking in the Eagles in a second here, guys. Um, my dog comes to bed when I go to bed. Whether my wife is already up there or not, uh, she stays down with me until I go to bed. That's when she comes upstairs, and she jumps up into the bed and wakes my wife, bothers my wife, or whatever. Waits till I get comfortable and set, and then leaves. And then she goes <laughs> on her own. She doesn't stay and sleep in a bed with me and the wife. No, 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 no. She's out of the Audi 5000. She needs and, uh, She needs room. She, she needs does. Room. Yeah, our, she our sleeps with us. So she is up. Uh, she is up and she makes sure I'm up. Um, Not mine. Yeah, she, no she gets out of diet. I, hate, I, don't, as a matter I think of fact, she actually meets with friends in the middle of the night. I don't know because I'm sound asleep. Uh, but I get up in the morning and she's usually at the bottom of the stairs ready to go out. But she doesn't come up and wake me up. Uh, that would have been nice. Had she done it this morning, I would have made yeah. the beginning of Birds 365. I, uh, I, as a matter of fact, I hate alarms. I hate that. Uh, I hate being woken up by an alarm. Bothers oh, me. Oh, I hate too. I hate it too. But if I yeah. didn't, you, you wouldn't have got me 40 minutes into the show. You would yeah. have not gotten me at all in the show. Because I'd probably still be asleep. So I need an alarm. And mine works very well, except if the house takes a power hit in the middle of the night. All right. I'm sorry that I missed Mr. Farzetta. Yeah, I jumped into the green room, so I caught the very end of him. Always fun uh, talking with uh, Farzi. What did I miss? Uh, he's bitter. Who's, who's, he, who's he laying blame on? Uh, he was he was bitter against you because last time he, he, he was on, you accused him of using just for men. Oh, he does. The There's no question he, he does. He, he claimed that, no, it's natural. He's um, so full of baloney. Yeah. So he was he was looking forward to taking shots. He was mad because you, so I said, oh, back. shoot. Did I say that I, right I at said, the end so he couldn't? Uh, well, I'm I'm time? I'm jealous, obviously. Oh, I so assume, am I. I'm yeah. tremendously jealous. Yeah, I, I that's what I said. We're just jealous. I oh said. yeah, but yeah. I still stand by what I say. I'm I'm not, not, not oh, backing you're probably, down from it. You're probably you're probably right. Uh, yeah, because Mark's not losing anything. There's not one gray hair, Mark. If you're still listening, there's not one. Yeah. So, so he claims it's all natural. I, I, I think tell you're you, right. Uh, here's a quick trick for you. Um, I at one point did more television appearances than I do these days because I just uh, choose not to leave the house. I did for <laughs> MacNow's charity thing last night, but yeah. that's because it's MacNow. Um, but when I used to do a uh, television spot here or there, was yeah, a couple minutes come in, do the sports, whatever, blah 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 blah. Um, and I didn't want to go uh, with coloring the beard. The girl who cuts my hair gave me makeup that she said, if you just apply this, it's the same color as the, the makeup I would use for your skin if you were using makeup, which I never wanted to use makeup, and I never wanted to do this with my hair either, but the temples were all gray and the beard was turning white. Now, this is 15 years ago. Um, and she said, just put this makeup on. And she gave me a makeup brush and she put it on. And damn, it did. It looked good. It looked like the, the little bit of hair that I still had left on the top of my head. 
And she said, all you got to do is go to sink and water and boom, it comes right out. And it did. Uh, so I, I did it at one time solely for television appearances. And then I would just wash it straight out again. Never went to the hair club for men that uh, Farzetta uses. He firmly denied it, just like Howie Roseman denies uh, being involved. Being with, in the meetings with the, with the uh, coordinators, really? When did, when did Howie uh, come out and deny no, it? No, he did not come out. Okay. But I but I heard about it yesterday, so I was now, able to get some. Can, can you me. tell? Can you explain that to us, or is that part of the code of journalism you're not a, no, I can explain because I wrote about it. So I got somebody uh, uh, in the building to tell me. And, and and by the way, this is why I didn't make a big deal out of to begin with, because I was already pretty aware of that this was the way things work. Um, and it has more to do with personnel. How he's uh, still in charge of the game day roster. Now, I wasn't able to get that confirmed, but I got the old non-confirmation confirmation. And I'll explain that to you. I told I explained it to Tone, so um, I'll do it quickly. Yes. Um, so we all know he's in charge of the fifty-three and and the seventy. Can overall. I can I interrupt? Yeah, I thought that was hilarious because people may have forgotten this when Sirianni was hired and he did his first kind of stumbling, fumbling, mumbling yeah, 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 press yeah. conference. Yeah. He was asked that question yeah. and he didn't even know. Yeah, he was yeah. like. I'm not sure. So that was well, a confirmation. Well, you You're as taking well. over his coaching. You don't know if you have the control of your own roster. Yeah, coach? that was a good indication. He did not. Um, exactly. And didn't care, uh, which is yeah. fine. But, you know, the 53, I have no problem with. It's not that big of a deal. We joke about the, the roster pool every year. The beat reporters have. We all get the same amount. There's no great disconnect. Uh, between the 53-man roster, if there is, it might be one player at the back end who's not going to matter anyway. I do have a problem with the the game day roster. He he had control over the game day roster um, under Doug, and I thought that was an is- issue. Still haven't got it confirmed, but it's pretty clear that he's got control over it again. And that's what everybody was talking about. He needs to know what the coaches want for a particular game. And I used the elevations last week as an example. So Britt and Kobe, the coaches will tell him, look, we, we don't feel comfortable with Quez Watkins returning punts, so we need a punt returner. You elevate Britt and Kobe. They wanted more of a blocking tight end, more of a blocking presence than Grant Calcaterra the third tight end. So all of a sudden Noah Tungiai is elevated. That's the kind of thing. Again, it's not that big of a deal, but I do have a problem with it because it's an extra layer you don't need. Just leave the coaches alone, let them make their decisions, and 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 do that. So that's all they were talking about. Um, he needs information, and by the way, he deserves information, and there's no problem in that. My my only issue is when you're in a position of power, and I use Doug Peterson, Jeffrey Lurie. Go back to that Green Bay game. I use that as an example. They upset Aaron Rodgers and Lambeau. The, the next Tuesday, Jeffrey Lurie saying, hey, why did we run it so much? And Doug took that the wrong way. Um, if you're in a position of power and you say these things and you ask questions, sometimes it goes in a negative direction. That's my only issue. But for Nick Sirianni, I think it was clear because – 
what did we do all off season, Jody? All we talked about, well, you got to pass the ball. You got to pass the ball. You got to do that. You got to get better in the passing game. You just paid AJ Brown a hundred million. You have Devonte Smith. You have Dallas Goddard. Pass, 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 pass. And they show up week one and Nick Sirianni does what he has to do to win the game. So I think that's a clear indication that he's allowed to do whatever he wants to win a football game, which is good. And then the second part is, and I got this emphatically, Howie Roseman has nothing to do with anything involving scheme. So it's strictly personnel, roster, things like that. Does he want information? Sure. He, he's not. He, he's not involved in scheme. All right, so uh, my next question has to be this, and it's your opinion. Does Howie hold on to, cling to, maybe the better way to describe it, control of the 48-man roster because he wants to be in those meetings, because he feels he needs to be in those meetings? And you're right. If the guy who's going to pick out who's going to be active and inactive doesn't know what's going to happen on the field on Sunday. He's just doing it blindly. So if he is the the man who is in charge of the roster, it only makes sense that he knows what the coaches are planning. But do you think he does that because he just wants to hold on to the power base that he has? And if you know other coaches around the league, and we know Nick Sirianni is a second year coach other second-year coaches on his staff, uh, guys in positions that haven't had these positions before and or for very long. Um, how does that come with other coaching staffs around the league? Are they similar to the Eagles in that, yes, the general manager holds sway over both the 53 and the 48? Um, yeah, I think general managers that have control over the 53 generally have control over the 48. Um no general manager, and I got this from two general managers, two actual general managers, gets involved with scheme and things like that. I've never heard of that before. Actually, that's not true. I did hear a bit with Ray Farmer who got suspended for it on game day. You know, remember that story. Ex-Eagles linebacker, by the way, was Cleveland's GM. Um, so I'm not going to say it never happens, but if it happens, it's a bad thing. Uh, and he was a former player, at least, and all that kind of stuff. But um, so that part would be very, very, very rare to be in actual schematic meetings. Um, but no, the traditional GM coach setup, the guy in charge of the 53 is usually in charge of the 58. And, it, and if he's not, if he doesn't care, which should be the case, by the way, they shouldn't care. Um, they're aware of what's going on. So they're they're given the information. And that's why I think it was a non-story. And people got, you know, very upset at the reporters for not following up. And I asked the question. Um, we didn't follow up because we kind of knew it. And it wasn't like a big thing to us in the moment. But I saw it blow up yesterday. So All right. And I will say this in... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done. I guess quasi defense of Eagle Nation and Eagle fans. Um, if they had been watching Birds 365, you and I had talked about this. Yeah, previously. we talked about it. Yeah. So it didn't come as a major surprise to me. But I think checking the responses of uh, Eagle fans, WIP uh, streams and, and, and Twitter and everything else. Oh, I think that most people didn't know that how he was le- involved to that level that he sat in on meetings. I, I don't think it was like, uh, wow, the, the loud uh, 5% who didn't know that ahead of time. No, I think more Eagle fans didn't know it than did know it. Now, shame on them. They should have been watching Birds 365. Because, yes, you and I had discussed this earlier, but uh, I don't think it was fake outrage. And I do think, uh, I guess. No, I don't think it was fake outrage. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, well, A, I think it was, he's not involved with schematic meetings. In other words, he's not involved with, Jonathan Gannon in the defensive meetings. He's not involved with Nick Sirianni in the offensive meetings. Well, what meetings the, do you think Gannon was describing? when The overreaching, when you have the game plan, this is what we're going to do. Um, this is what we need um, is is sort of what Howie's involved in. Um, and again, it's it's more involved in personnel than anything else. Oh, we're going to do this. So we need a punt returner. Cause we're not coming. That's why I was using those guys as an example. We're going to be more heavy uh, for whatever reason. We're going to be heavy RPO attack. The Eagles used a lot of RPOs. So maybe it's a better idea to have Noah Tungi than Grant Calcaterra for the lions. Uh, maybe they spread it out and they want to throw the football more against the Vikings. Maybe it'd be Grant Calcaterra. Um, who knows that kind of stuff. So at the very end, you know, how he's sitting in on, on, as they're the coaching staff, the guys responsible for inserting the game plan are together. So he's involved with that kind of stuff. But as it goes along during the week, you know, not to, to be honest, he doesn't have the time to sit through all those meetings. If he did, I give him credit for his work ethic. I'll, I'll tell you that, okay. but it would be a bad thing. If he's involved with that, that would be a very bad thing, but he's not involved with that, nor could he be involved with that, by the way. It's just uh, not, not it, it, it sounded like a meeting of substance that Gannon was describing. Oh, it's a meeting of substance. It's it's the final game plan. But the coaches have already put together the game plan. So I guess the problem, if there's a potential problem, would be if they went into that meeting and how he said, no, you can't do that. You have to do this. I've got no indication that that's the case. And I think the way Jalen Hurts was used in week one is a perfect example of that. That proved to me that Nick Sirianni can do whatever he wants to win a football game and feels comfortable doing whatever he wants to win a football game. Now, if if it's – and by the way, everybody uses Jordan Davis. To me, it doesn't make sense that Jordan Davis – would Howie Roseman would say, no, you can't play Jordan Davis. No, he, he would want he'd it. Want it would him be in the exact one opposite. Of those 22 snaps he got, you're exactly right. Yeah, it would be the exact opposite. So that part of it doesn't make sense either. So I don't think it's a problem right now. In fact, I know it's not a problem right now. It's their potential for a problem. You've already seen there's potential because of Doug Peterson. So if you get too meddling, yeah, there's always a potential for a problem. 
right. down the now, road. We we touched on this uh, briefly yesterday, and I uh, saw a couple more today, so I want to uh, reemphasize. For those who like to play the card, and I'm talking to you, Eagle Nation, again, I just defended you, but now I'm going to call you on the carpet a little bit. Um, Eagle fans <laughs> like to, from time to time, think, what was us? The national media hates us. <laughs> Maybe Jody McDonald yeah. and John McMullen hate us as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, they, the whole throwing snowballs at Santa, blah, blah, blah. Uh, our friends over at Crossing Board brought posted a couple of fight scenes from around the NFL this yeah, weekend. Always, and none of them were Eagle fans. Yeah. Shockingly, none of them were Eagle fans. All right, we know the national media, lazy, and they always uh, go back to San Quentin. I get that. You're, the only thing uh, almost as old as the complaints by the national media is the whining of the Philadelphia yeah, fans about the complaining I of the agree. national media. I agree. Um, Just yeah, those fights. Go. I mean, why are you putting out those fights? Because now their TMZ is going to have a fight at Lincoln Financial Field, and they're going to put that on there. Uh, newsflash: Some football fans, not all football fans, get liquored up and are idiots at games. This yeah. is not new. It's not going to be new, um, and it's going to happen here as well. So if you're going to highlight when it happens, insert city. Well, get ready. Because payback is coming. Right. And uh, it's going to happen here. You're right. It's going to It's been happening at football games since they started the National Football League. So it's that's kind of an old story. No, I'm referring to the fact that a lot of national media outlets have the Eagles in the top 10 of their power rankings. Some have the Eagles in the top five of their power rankings. Now, the Eagles won 38-35. I thought they were a certainly a top 10 team, but that was me. I had them ranked a little higher than than most other people. Um, I didn't think they were going to jump up as much as they did off the performance off the, that they gave. Off beating the Detroit Lions. On Sunday. Yeah, beating yeah. the Detroit Lions by three points, and they jumped up several slots. Now, it's fairly easily explained by the fact that yeah, some teams that people thought weren't going to win or were going to win handily didn't win at all. Green Bay Packers, San Francisco 49ers, hello. So they dropped while the Eagles, even though their win wasn't uber impressive, moved up because it was more about the other teams dropping than it was the Eagles wowing people. But I think it was pro football uh, talk with our boy uh, – Mr. Sims, who isn't the biggest Jalen Hurts fan, although he's raised his elevation from the very low one that he had prior to last yeah, season. Yeah, but he, uh, Chris Sims had the Eagles with like the third best roster. I remember that. Remember preseason? So he's turning. Uh, he thinks uh, this team is is pretty good. But yeah, when it comes to, to power rankings, I mean, our, our own Paul Dama, which does his for the 33rd team. Yeah, uh, say I didn't check Damo. Um, he had him in the top ten, but I have to double check. I don't pay much attention to power rankings. Right, they're I mean, they're, yeah. they're good for what we do right here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Yeah. Debate, talk, kick things around. The actual influence it has on the National Football League is zippity doodah. It means nothing. The standing, especially the week one, Jody, because you see all these anomalies in week one. You always see it every year. You see it. Um. 
I, I went back to last year. So, look, they weren't successful um, in the end because Green Bay and, and Tennessee lost disappointingly in the playoffs. But they were the number one seeds um, on the NFC side and the AFC side last year. Green Bay lost by 35 in week one. Crush. Uh, Tennessee lost by 20-something in week one. And they both ended up being the number one seeds in their conference. Uh, I, You know, I'm not saying they're going to do that this year or teams that got destroyed in week one are going to do it this year. But there is every year there's these anomalies in week one. Teams don't show up ready to play for whatever reason. Uh, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers' famous press conference a couple of years ago, relax, we'll get it together. They did. Um, you, you know, let's wait a while. You know, let's wait a month, and then you'll have a better beat on this team. Because I got, I got news for you. We got a game on Monday night coming up. We got plenty of time to talk about it. But I don't have a feel for who's going to win this game. I could see the Eagles blowing that team out. I could see them that team coming in here and blowing the Eagles out. I I I don't have a feel yet for e- either of these teams or any teams, and I'm closest to the Eagles, obviously. I have a better feel for them than anybody else, but I think they're going to figure things out defensively. Um, I don't, I, you know, as weird as it sounds, Jody, I have more confidence in that. I understand this team defensively than offensively. Really? After that stinker of a performance they gave on Sunday? Because I know what they're trying to do defensively. I don't know what they're trying to do offensively because you have so much off schedule stuff with Jalen Hurts. So it's so skewed. It's like, you know, people are saying 17 carries. We talked about this uh, before you came on with Mark, you know, people, but so many of those were off schedule. So what was the play call? I don't, you know, but how many RPOs were involved? How much had to do with the blitzing? The lines were very aggressive. I, I don't, I don't know what the plan is offensively. I know what the plan is defensively. And I think eventually they'll settle down and they'll they'll be okay. And that's why I say what I said there, even though most people think the opposite, because they're like, wow, they, they're so explosive. But, you know, people are going to adjust. Ed Donatel's coming in this week. He's been coaching for 35 years. He's going to adjust. Uh, he's going to see what the Eagles did. He's going to try to hem in. Uh, Jalen Hurts a little bit better. We'll see if he's able to accomplish it or not. Um, yeah, I have a better feel for the defense and the offense. Here's the reason why I brought up the whole um, the fact that the Eagles are getting some national coverage. National play is one of the best teams in the National Football League, some of which was their doing, most of which was the doing of Harry Roseman at all to put together the roster they did. But some of it also had to do with other teams stubbing their toes, the anomalies that you just pointed to. Here's why I need to ask. We had an incident a couple of weeks ago that bothered me a lot more than it bothered you. Um, And that was Jason Kelsey feeling the need to put it out there that the Eagles need to be fine. Expectations are irrelevant and we're not ready. We're not going to. And you theorize that it's because Jason wants to get to some of the guys on his team that might pay more notification to a viral video than they would Jason Kelsey coming up and looking him in the face and go, hey, 
We got no expectations. We make our own expectations. You don't listen to the outside world. We get this all in-house that he may be able to get through to a guy through a viral video. Uh, I just think if that's true, and you might very well be right. You and Jason might be right. It's sad. Well, it's Whether definitely it's right sad. Or not, it's sad. It is sad. I we agree on that. It is sad, but I do think yeah. Th th then that think gets me to my question for today. On those same viral videos, on those clips on the phones from SportsCenter, from Fox, from wherever else, where they're running down the rank. Hey, Philadelphia Eagles, the fourth team in the national. Hey, we're good. We're golden. We're the fourth team. Should we be worried about some of the younger Eagles? Oh, yeah. In theory, are easily influenced by outside influences that they're already getting props that they're moving up rankings off a 38 35 win over the Lions. Yeah, rat poison. Rat poison. Yeah, yeah we know Jalen doesn't get it. We know he yeah. won't be influenced. But apparently, some people worry about the rest of the Eagle roster. How much should we worry? I, I, I mean, I think it's natural for especially coaches to worry. You know, bulletin board material, blah, blah, blah. That's usually from a negative fashion uh, or from another team chirping uh, uh, about you. Coaches hate when, when, you, when you do something like that. The same is with coaches hate when – Everybody is telling you you're great. I've been around dozens of coaches, NFL. They hate it. They hate it. Um, and there's certain guys it doesn't affect at all. But most people, you feel pretty good if somebody says something nice about you. Right. And it's just human nature. And, and they don't like it. And, yeah, Nick talks about that a lot. Um, and they'll use it conversely, you know. I always joked about the run towards the Super Bowl because of the underdog theme and the mask and all that. I I thought, you know, it worked. But I, and I've been said this to Lane Johnson. I said that was bull crap. I mean, everybody knew this was a good team. I didn't think it was um, bull crap, but it was overstated. Yeah. Well, they, they, they didn't, John, they didn't make it up out of whole cloth. And some people. No, it was about like, the quarterback getting hurt. Yeah. You know, well, and that was baked into the reason why they were capable of playing the underdog card was because they were the underdog. How do we determine the definition of underdog in football? Check the betting line. Yeah, but they were the underdog were they to the Atlanta. Underdog? They were the underdog to Minnesota, yes. and they were underdog to the Patriots. So they were within their rights to say, "Wow, we're the underdog. Nobody respects us." Well, the betting program, Vegas didn't respect them, and God well, bless yeah, them for but playing Jody it the way they did. But that's what bothers me. They knew, they knew that the people weren't disrespecting them. They knew oh, okay. it was because of, 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 of Carson Wentz's injury. If Carson Wentz doesn't get injured, he wins the MVP. They are significant, significant favorites over the Atlanta Falcons. They are significant favorites over the Minnesota Vikings. Now, maybe in the Super Bowl they would have been underdogs because of the reputation of the Patriots that they probably would have been underdogs, but they would have been the home, the home team in Lincoln financial field with Carson Wentz as the MVP against the Atlanta Falcons in Minnesota. They would have been double digit favorites against the Falcons. Probably. They would have been a, a touchdown or a near a touchdown favorite against Minnesota. That's what I'm saying. Nobody disrespected the Eagles. And by the way, this is another part of this. 
I was there at the Nobercare complex the day after Carson Wentz got injured. It was like a wake, Jody. They thought their season was over. So no, they were no different than anybody else. That was my only problem and why that was bold. You know what? That, that whole thing. Yes, technically they were underdogs, but they know why they were underdogs. Right. And they know nobody was disrespecting them. And they thought they were underdogs because they were like, oh, crap. We just lost our quarterback. And one more quickie before we get a timeout in here and punch up our next guest, because I've gotten some of this on social media and on uh, my two WIP shifts earlier this week for you Minnesota fans out there. And right now we've got uh, almost 350 people logged in. Uh, my guess is there's two Minnesota fans. There's 380, <laughs> 330, 48 Eagles fans, but there's two Minnesota fans. But I've got a couple of them. You know, I do a national show, so I got Minnesota fans. Uh, we got an affiliate in Minnesota. Um, the, this is a revenge game for the 2017. How many times have they played? They NFC played. championship game. It holds no water. They played that game. The, 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 the playoff game actually took place in January. So it was 2018. Yeah. Uh, they, they played, played later in that year, 2018, and the Vikings won. Yeah. And then they played again in 2019, and the Vikings crushed them. They beat them up. Kirk Cousins threw the ball all over the lot. Yeah. So the yeah. Vikings have actually beaten the Eagles twice since yeah. that game. So the whole, oh, we're going to be motivated to come in and no. win this game. No. Stop. It holds no water. Different player. But first of all, different players, different coaching staffs. Everything's different. Everything's different. Yeah. And they played each other uh, twice since that time. And the Vikings won both games. So, yeah, doesn't hold but, any but water. Believe me when I tell you, Johnny Mac, I've gotten tweets. Oh, Vikings are coming to Philly to kick their butts because of what happened. Well, that Dallas. was that's because that game was a little bit more important than the other two games. But uh, true. But uh, the other two games were more on the par of this Sunday's game. So if you want to make a comparison, yeah, there are better comparisons than the 2017 championship game. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Hopefully, we're going to have Reggie Wilson. Uh, he's a sports anchor for KARE TV in Minnesota. Reggie was good enough to come on my national CBS sports radio show and do a Viking preview for me before the season started. Um, and he did a real nice job. So I reached out and said, uh, would he be willing to stream in with us? We're hoping to get him punched up. Reggie Wilson from care TV in Minnesota next here on birds, Three Sixty Five. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. got birds 365 the mac and mac guys mcmullen and mcdonald we are joined by a preview guest from minnesota he was good enough to come on my cbs sports radio show so i said did a great job with me there you can do a great job with us here on birds 365 reggie wilson from k-a-r-e tv in minnesota uh reggie john and i were just talking before we punched you up about power rankings and how the eagles moved up in the power rankings this week even though they didn't play all that well (laughs) against the lions Oh, the Vikings did. They moved up in the power rankings as well, but they actually earned it with their win over uh, Green Bay. How good did the Vikings look on Sunday? You know, they look good. And first off, thanks for having me. Uh, Good to be on with you all. So they look good. I think coming into this season, a lot of people, especially up here in Minnesota, did not know what to expect from this team because we hadn't seen much. Kevin O'Connell really you know, played his cards really close to the vest in the preseason. You know, at training camp, we were only able to see so much. And we were only able to really kind of digest a little bit of what we saw because, you know, they were still trying to work the kinks out, get everything together. And we were like, what are we going to get from this team? Like, it could go either way. And I think what we saw was just a team that was focused, like, I mentioned yesterday, this was not your Mike Zimmer Vikings. Like, no. <laughs> Adam Thielen talked about how this team offensively just keeps attacking. They're constantly on the attack. And he's like, I've never been able to say that about uh, an offense that I've been in. And he's been in the league for a while now. For him to say that was pretty telling. <laughs> And so this yeah. team looks good. The the offense looked good. They they funneled a lot through Justin Jefferson in week one. 
And that was very interting to see that the Green Bay just decided, hey, we're just not going to cover him on oh. you know, certain <laughs> occasions. We're just going to leave him open. Just, just let him run yeah. around and do whatever he wants. And he took advantage of that 150-plus yards in the first half, two touchdowns in that first half, finished with uh, 184. This offense just looks different. A lot of window dressing, a lot of uh, pre-snap motions, I think, at one point yeah. in the first half. 98% of the plays that they ran use pre-snap motion of some sort. So he's moving guys all over the field. He lined Justin Jefferson up in the slot. In the backfield. Outside the backfield. Back, yeah, as a tight end one time, yeah. too. Like It's like, okay, like let's see what, what we got going on here. And I think it was a good showing. And Man. I think they're trying to build on that moving forward in week two against Philly. Reggie, uh, Sean McVay calls it the illusion of complexity. Yeah. Um, and that is complex for the opposition, but not complex for, in this case, the Vikings. We'll see how it shakes out moving forward. Before I get to the game, though, I want to talk about the Mike Zimmer part. We know about shelf life here in Philadelphia. We just went through it with Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach. Mm -hmm. Mike Zimmer was a very good coach, but it seemed like people stopped listening. Uh, very old school guy, maybe a little bit too gruff for a, a new school athlete. How much have you seen that attitude change? You mentioned it a little bit with Adam Thielen, uh, but he was a defensive coach. Even the defensive guys seem to be excited by, by the new blood that Kevin O'Connell has brought to that organization. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's interesting because Kevin O'Connell is maybe what you would call a player's coach. Guys love him. Like yesterday, Justin Jefferson got the Nickelodeon Award for the best week um, out of, you know, all the players last week. And so uh, Kevin O'Connell's like, look, congrats to you, Justin Jefferson, but I'm the guy taking the slime. Each time we get someone recognized, <laughs> you can slime me. And they slimed him, and it was a fun moment for the team. I do not see Mike Zimmer no, ever doing something I don't think he's like getting slimed. <laughs> no. Like, he's like, look, get that stuff away from me. What, are, what is Nickelodeon even doing here? Like, we're not kids. Get out of here. Like, you know, he was, he was really a, a tough guy. And I think that wore on players as the years went along. And it was funny, like, when he – got you know kicked to the curb up here so many players came out and just talked about how you know it doesn't I work to I have a fear-based fear organization yep. yeah fear-based yep. culture a lot yeah it doesn't work having a fear-based organization you know I, I think there were a lot of players that were open and welcoming to some new blood coming in and it showed you know in camps in training camp um off-season mini camp like you could just feel a different type of energy from the team. And, and they said as much as well, just how different it feels, how fun and how loose they are. You know, uh, I think Irv Smith yesterday at a, at a community event made mention of how, you know, loose it was in the locker room, you know, with music being played. I'm like music being played <laughs> that simple of a thing, you know, but, but I think they are really feeling like the energy and they feel like the sky is the limit. And, and talking to uh, Justin Jefferson last week, it was interesting to note. He said something about the offense. We're not really sure how much Clint Kubiak had, you know, as far as the reins and making the offense go last year, because, you know, Mike Zimmer had his identity. He yeah. wanted to run the football. That was like his main thing. And everything else was kind of like, you know, going off of that. 
And so the offense really wasn't of the McVay, Shanahan, you know, all of that yeah. ilk uh, of of offenses. And then we get uh, Kevin O'Connell in here, and all of a sudden he's like, man, we're confident in this offense. Like, we're moving around. It's, you know, as you said, the illusion of complexity where maybe they aren't doing a whole lot, but it looks like they're doing a whole lot. And it, it makes a difference to those guys. They feel a little bit more confident in what they're putting out there on the field. And it's just totally different from what Mike Zimmer did in the last eight seasons. Let me ask you about the defense, because that's what surprised me. The offense sells uh, newspapers and hits on shows <laughs> like this and stuff like that. But he got to have defense to win. Oh, except you don't, because the Eagles didn't play any defense. On <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm starting from a wrong supposition. But I was doing my uh, pre-game uh, work, and I – realize how many changes the uh, Vikings had made on defense and veteran guys, including a guy we know pretty well, Mr. Kendricks, who came in and got uh, 13 career high, 14, 15 tackles for them. Jordan Hicks. Yeah. Jordan. Uh, what I yeah. say, um, uh, no, Kendricks is part of the elder linebacker group that they bring in and 30 in the NFL is elder. Maybe not for me and Johnny Mack, <laughs> but it is in the NFL. Um, uh, Smith outside coming in from Green Bay and Hicks coming from Arizona, formerly here in Philadelphia. Is that what they needed? Did they just need some stabilizing guys to play better defense than the one that Zimmer, Mr. Defense himself, ran last year? Because uh, their defense looked pretty darn good week one, just shutting down the Green Bay Packers. Yes, they did. And, you know, what was interesting was we didn't know coming into the offseason how things were going to go. Were they going to blow it up? Or were they going to, you know, just try to improve? And I think, you know, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the Vikings' new GM, was content with making a decision. Hey, we're close. We feel like we put a few more pieces together and we can do something. And you kind of saw, I mean, it's just week one. You know, you can't, you know, draw too much off of just one week. But just off one week, it, it shows like, hey, we think if we bring in some pieces to an already talented defense – we can actually put them over the top, bringing in guys like Zadarius Smith, Hicks. You know, Hicks was one of the most productive linebackers in the NFL last season. And Arizona's like, bye-bye, you can go. We're going to go younger. It's okay. And Hicks is like, look, I'm just going to keep making tackles out here and keep being productive. <laughs> and he leads the team in tackles last week against the, the, um, the Packers and had some really critical stops there. And it's interesting pairing him with Eric Kendricks. I think Eric Kendricks is one of the most underrated linebackers in the NFL. Very much a playmaker out there. He had multiple interceptions. You know, he's catching interceptions with one hand yeah. last season. Great, great coverage. Line. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. And, and so you pair a guy like Hicks with Kendricks, and they are a really playmaking duo in the linebacking backfield. And then last week uh, – Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, if those guys are healthy, look out, man, because they just showed a, a little bit of what they can do paired up on opposite ends out there rushing the quarterback. And they got some new monikers this year. They're calling themselves the Edge Department. <laughs> They're calling themselves uh, BMF for bad, Mama Jammas, uh, but Mama Jammas, you know, whatever. <laughs> but but they, they really feel confident. They have, like, this synergy with each other and Harrison Smith, you know, so many people talked about like, Hey, the Vikings drafted Lewis scene. Maybe he's the heir apparent to Harrison Smith. Smith is like, look, I think I still got a lot left. And he showed yeah. it a little bit 
in week one. And then you bring in a guy like Harrison Phillips. I think that was an underrated uh, signing for them over from Buffalo, clogging up the middle of the field like that. I think they got some pieces there that that really give them uh, some confidence that they can do some great things in that defensive backfield. Now, what we want to see that first play of the game last week, Patrick Peterson got beat by the rookie Christian Watson on that. Yeah, what should have been a 75-yard yeah, touchdown, but he dropped it. And so you, you, there are some question marks at cornerback. They lose their second-round pick last week, um, Andrew Boot Jr., to a quad injury. He didn't return. So they have high hopes for him. A lot to be settled there at the cornerback spot, but they like where they are right now. Yeah, uh, Reggie, I think – Jonathan Gannon left Minnesota in 2018, I believe. Um, he still can't stop talking about Harrison Smith. I mean, he he brings him up once a week. Uh, <laughs> I, that guy's going to the Hall of Fame. But it's interesting yeah. to me, Daniil Hunter's the guy you brought up. Now, he's been injured the last two years. And I think it's hard to say one player, but because last year I think he got injured sixth or seventh game. So – they were good when he was out there for mm-hmm. six games, and then they just completely fell apart when he w- when they lost him. How impactful is he? And then they have Zadarius Smith. They look like they're lining him up all over Zadarius. He was inside, outside. Um, but Daniil Hunter specifically, how important is he to that defense? The dude is like a, a Greek god out there. Like he's built like an, an Adonis. Like the dude is just an athletic freak. If he's healthy, watch out because he was leading the team in sacks last year when he went down with that torn peck. And the dude can get just flat out get it done. And I saw last week they were not just lining him up, like standing up, rushing the passer. He was putting his hand in the ground and, and rushing from that standpoint as well while Zadarius was on the other side standing up. And like you mentioned, they were moving those guys all around, and it was creating a lot of problems for that Packers offensive line that was missing two key starters to begin with. And so if you look at a guy like Daniil Hunter and he's healthy, watch out because – the dude can play. He has a chip on his shoulder. I, I did like a one-on-one with him earlier in training camp, and he feels like he has something to prove. He feels like that defensive line is is kind of getting slept on, and he kind of anchors that unit. You look at it. Last season, even with Daniil being out, the Vikings were second in the league in sacks. And you're like, okay, you add guys like Zadarius, you add guys you know, like Hunter back from injury, and – there's no reason why this team on the defensive standpoint can't do that again or, or possibly lead the league in sacks. You're talking about guys that when they're healthy are double-digit sack guys. Reggie, uh, you need to educate me here. I probably should know this, <laughs> but I'm telling you I don't. Um, last year I had Wes Phillips on my national radio show. Mm. Now his grandpa was a defensive coach. His father was a <laughs> defensive coach. But he's an offensive coach, and he was yeah. part of that Rams championship uh, coaching staff from last year. He comes with Kevin O'Connell to Minnesota, is elevated to the offensive coordinator positions. Who's calling the plays there in Minnesota? Last year here in Philly, we didn't even know. They switched horses in midstream. Doug, uh, excuse me, uh, Nick uh, head coach Shane Nick Sirianni Shane. passed that along to Shane Steichen and didn't tell anybody in midseason, <laughs> and it went okay for them. Who's calling the plays in Minnesota right now? 
Yeah, I think it's collaborative, but Kevin O'Connell is calling the plays up in Minnesota. This is his first time as a as an offensive play caller as well, and he's doing so from the head coach position. Very much what you see from a McVay, uh, from a guy like Zach Taylor in Cincinnati as well. KLC is calling plays. Um, yeah, defensively, the shift is to Ed Donatel, who is – like everybody else, including Philadelphia, using Vic Fangio's scheme mm-hmm. uh, and longtime sort of lieutenant of Vic. Um, so you have these odd man fronts, even man fronts. They toggle back and forth. They have all this umbrella coverage on the back end. I, I brought up Harrison Smith before. Now, he, he was in what Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon still talks about, his ability to move all over the formation. Mm-hmm. Now he's more of a coverage safety. How did that work out in 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 week in week one? Worked out well. It's funny. I was watching yesterday um, one of the Vikings uh, analysts, Pete Bursich and Kevin O'Connell, were in the film room and they were. Oh, breaking by down. the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. I love that. I yeah. love Kevin O'Connell because here it's all CIA state secrets. Eagles yeah. can't say anything. He's yeah. out there mapping plays. I loved it. <laughs> it was awesome. And it, it wasn't anything that gave up too much, you know, yeah. but it was something that he was able to show the fans. And by the way, I love film breakdown. Like that's one of my favorite things to watch as a, as a, a football fan. If you can show me how things are set up and how things develop and how things are supposed to be like, I'm all in on that. So I was just glued to my computer screen watching that, but he showed how, they wanted to make sure they had the field covered everywhere. And they made things difficult for Aaron Rodgers. Like, okay, maybe I'm going to throw it in the flat. No, we got a guy covering that. Okay, maybe I'm going to throw it towards the middle of the field. No, we got a guy covering that. And then he had Harrison Smith just kind of playing option out there. He could, you know, break towards the flat. He could break toward the middle. And then he showed him what he eventually did was he broke toward the outside sideline and Rodgers just tried to throw something up in desperation, and Harrison Smith was able to pick him off. And those are the type of plays that Harrison Smith has been known for making. Yeah, like, you know, he's going to come up and, and, and hit you a lot. You know, if you're, if you're trying to run the ball on him, he's still a thumper, if you will. But he's a playmaking safety as well, and you saw that on display in that, on that uh, interception. It's just like, look. We got guys like Cam Bynum up here who they expect to be, you know, solid. He won the other starting safety job over the first round pick, Lewis Seen. Uh, Lewis Seen was out last week also with an injury. They expect him to be back on the field on Monday night. But you draft a guy like Lewis Seen is maybe like the heir apparent to Harrison Smith. And Harry's like, uh, not so fast. I'm still here, guys. I'm still making plays. Um, want to jump back over to the offensive side for a second, Reg, if you can. Um, I see Justin Jefferson's numbers and nine receptions, 184 yards, two touchdowns, but only 11 targets. AJ <laughs> Brown had 13. So he was jaking a little bit. Tell, tell Jefferson, he might have to pick it up this week. Despite his 11 targets, eight people were targets for quarterback, uh, Kirk Cousins spread around a little bit. None of which went to Jalen Rager, who we know a little bit here in Philadelphia. He did return punts for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Did he not get the ball thrown his way because 
He just got there, getting still getting up to speed. Got to figure out what kind of role they're going to use him in. Look into your Viking crystal ball a little bit for us and tell <laughs> us what you think Jalen Rager's role on the Vikings will be. I think they're still trying to figure that part out. I know first and foremost, they wanted him to be their punt returner. And they made a little bit of a decision here. They got rid of Amir a Smith-Marset, who they were uh, hoping to fill that wide receiver four spot. And he showed some flashes last year, uh, 2021 draft pick out of Iowa. And he was a guy that you thought, okay, maybe he could make a splash and kind of take that next step a la K.J. Osborne last year. And they made the, the surprise decision to let him go to make room for Jalen Rager because they needed him more as a punt returner. And so I think they're probably still trying to figure out what to do exactly with Rager as a receiver. You know, from all that I saw and read, Rager was having a pretty good camp in Philly before they traded him away. And so I think, you know, you probably look at him as a guy that, you know, you maybe do some end around sweeps on, you know, take advantage of his speed. Maybe you hit him on a couple go routes or something like that and see if he can beat the defense over the top. And things like that. But I think right now they, they are more concerned with him as a punt returner and making an impact there. But they'll find some ways. It's it's just funny. The pecking order with the Vikings, you got Justin Jefferson. Then it's like, oh, okay, you got Adam Thielen. Then you got K.J. Osborne. Didn't really get a whole lot of targets last week, but Irv Smith is a guy that they're high on from the tight end position. Yeah. Kirk yeah. Cousins comes out last week and throws his first two passes to Johnny Munt. Everybody's like, who? Who is that? Where did he come from? What, He's a thought, Rams guy, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like I thought this guy was just supposed to be a blocking tight end. I, what what happened to throwing to you know the the skill position guys <laughs> and also throwing the guys like Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison out of the backfield as well? Like you mentioned, it eight different targets. The offense was really diverse yesterday, so it's like up to Jalen Rager to like crack some of that because. They kind of have it cooking already with some of the guys that they already are throwing out there. Well, Reggie, I can't believe it's taken us this long, but I got to get to your quarterback because he is one of the most interesting quarterbacks in the NFL, has been for years to me because that guy can just sling the football. I mean, mm -hmm. it's absurd the numbers he has put up since he became a starter in Washington I, I always like to look at it, 4,100, 4,900, 41, 43, 36, 42, 42. Then you have 70% completion rate, 70.1, 69.1, 67.6. Last year, 71.9. Yet people don't think he's a good quarterback. What the heck is going on with Kirk Cousins <laughs> in Minnesota? You know, he's a very polarizing subject here in Minnesota. And it's like, it's not that he's good, but I think when you see guys like Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert and, you know, some of these young guys who are coming up and they're doing some of the dynamic things that they're doing, I think you kind of look at Kirk Cousins as maybe like a steady Eddie guy. And it's, it's interesting because when I asked Kevin O'Connell earlier in the spring, like, hey, do you feel like Kirk Cousins has another level to – to go to he said yes but then a week before the season started they asked her cousins like hey do you feel like you know you want to bring it a little bit more and he's like look I think I'm just going to be the quarterback that I've always been and you're just like no that that's not how this is supposed <laughs> to go what what are you talking about and Kevin O'Connell's like look I, I don't think you know we look at Kirk 
you know, maybe taking a step as much as as much as people might think. And it's like, wait, wait, what happened to what we were saying in the spring? And what I think is interesting is Kirk Cousins is your steady, you know, consummate professional at quarterback. You know what you're going to get from him. He's a risk averse guy who's going to, you know, pick his spots. He's not going to take too many chances out there. He's not going to, you know, scramble around and extend plays with his legs. Like he's the guy that throws on script. You know, he made some plays last week that, you know, he kind of extended plays a little bit. And we asked him about it like, Kirk, hey, you're you're making some plays out there. He's like, no, no, no. I, I still think I'm doing what I'm usually doing. It was just me moving around, manipulating the pocket a little bit more. It's like, Kirk, it's OK to call yourself a playmaker, dude. Just, you know, lean into it. But I think Kirk is just Kirk. Like he's yeah. he's a guy that so you know, it's part of it. Personality just. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, he's a guy that doesn't want to throw too many interceptions. He's a guy that is always wanting to, you know, take what the defense is giving him. And I think that made fans really upset last year. And I think what's different is how he's being coached this year, not putting him in positions to, you know, drop back on third and 10 and throw it four yards because that's what his progressions took him to. It's like be aggressive. You know, and, and Kevin O'Connell talked about maybe not putting him in those third and long situations so that he has some favorable field positions to keep ahead of the chains with some of the passes. Because we know that when he goes through his progressions, if the first, second read is not there, he's going to dump it down. And whether or not it's far enough to get the first down or not, that's where he feels like he needs to go with the football to not make a mistake because he cares about making mistakes. I uh, really do like your steady Eddie handle for Kirk Cousins because <laughs> that's what he is. And yeah. uh, John's right. When he throws out those numbers, what do you mean? This guy's outstanding. Playoffs. Plain mm -hmm. and simple. And right, wrong, or indifferent, that's how we judge quarterbacks. How do they do when you get to the postseason? And Kirk Cousins hasn't been a winning postseason quarterback. And right. that's the difference between the guys who we think of as better than him. Now, a couple of the youngsters, because they haven't been to the playoffs and lost the same way Kirk Cousins have, get a pass. Oh, when they show up in the playoffs. Justin Herbert hasn't played a playoff game yet. But mm -hmm. everybody loves him. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's 0-0 in the playoffs. He hasn't, he hasn't won one yet, but he also hasn't lost one yet. So that's what I think. Most people hold against Cousins and not putting him in that elite group of quarterbacks. All right, Reggie, last thing for me. Um, my partner was in Detroit last week for the game against the Lions and said the crowd actually did play a pretty good part in the game, that the Lion fans were pumped and psyched, and it was a difficult place for the Eagles to play. Uh, I got to take his word for it. I wasn't there. He was there. This week, the Vikings come into Philadelphia and – we expect the house to be rocking on mm -hmm. a Monday night with the Eagles winning their first game, with the uh, national media guys having them ranked in the top five power rankings in the National Football League. Tell me why, if you're a Viking fan, you should either be excited about them playing on the road because they'll be able to handle the adverse conditions or... Yeah, it's a legit concern because it's a new coaching staff and they're still learning each other. What's your read on the Vikings' first road game of the year? I think it's trending towards, you know, concern. The Vikings fans were juiced up last week. Like, it was a raucous atmosphere, and that was like what you want to start your season in. We do want to see, though, what is it going to be like when the crowd noise is a factor, when, you know, just – the circumstances are 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 a little bit different 
than, you know, the favorable ones that you get at home? What is it going to be like when your back is against the wall as a play caller? Like we saw one game and conditions were favorable for the Vikings in that one game. But as things go along, I think you want to see like, okay, hey, like how are these guys going to respond to, you know, all the craziness that comes with going to a Philadelphia? Because, you know, I haven't been to the uh, an Eagles game in Philly yet, but no, I hear that it gets it. pretty you're love crazy. It, <laughs> yeah, I hear it gets pretty crazy, and those yeah, fans yeah. are relentless there. So, you know, when, when they're – you know, throwing out, you know, whatever insults or whatever the case may be. <laughs> there might be some of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when they're doing that, like, what is that going to do to affect that Vikings team? Like, how are they going to, you know, rise up in that adverse situation? And it's just going to be a tough test for them. I think, you know, the the Eagles have it a little bit more together than the Vikings do on offense or than the, the Packers do on offense. And so that's going to be a different kind of test for them to try to see how they stack up against one of the teams that is, you know, by all accounts hope to be there when it's all said and done, you know, making a postseason push talking about the Eagles at Reggie Wilson, TV sports director, Carol Levin, by the way, Reggie, this is way before your time, but I used to live in Apple Valley in Burnsville ah. uh, in the Dennis green, Mike Tice era. So long wow. time ago. I hope Randy Shaver's doing well. I hope he's healthy. Um, I know he does a lot with cancer out there. So good to see you doing well at CARE 11. I know it well. I hope you're coming to Philadelphia. I'll welcome you if I see you in the press box. Uh, but thanks for coming on the show. Thrilled to have you. Hey, appreciate you having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Good deal. That is Reggie Wilson from CARE 11 in Minnesota here with us on Verge. 365. All right, we'll take our final timeout. Come back. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, got to put a bow on the show. Stick around. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. 
Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. We only got a couple minutes left before uh, Rick Veritello and his playbook rolls on in here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Um, Johnny Mac, who's going to be, if Stoll is going to be the third, the, the backup tight end this week, who's going to be the third tight end? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, they want to run it more. It'll be probably be Noah again. Uh, but you got to be careful with those elevations because uh, you only get three of them. Uh, before you have to add them. Now, remember, the Eagles still have an extra spot. They're only at 52. Right. Um, they picked up Janarius Robinson, but that was for Derek Barnett. They never filled the Andre Dillard spot, so they still have a spot to fill. They could just bring up Britton Covey to be the punt returner. Um, they could bring up Noah. But you got to be yeah, careful you, with those elevations. Do you elevations. think that's a foregone conclusion that Kobe's going to be up? I know they officially have to Yeah, I mean, there he's the pump returner. So I think ultimately he's got to get that 53rd spot. I mean, you know, because then they're going to have to risk losing him through waivers. And uh, if they don't add him to the 53. Right. Because um, they don't want Quez Watkins returning punts. Um, so um, ultimately, I think he's going to be him. I would think they would want to throw the ball more against Minnesota, just projecting game plan wise, uh, you know. If Howie tells them to do that, I'm just joking, Eagles. Um, I would think they would want to throw the football more, projecting that Minnesota is going to score some points. But you know, they're 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 an RPO based offense, and if they're an RPO based offense, I'd rather have the blocker and Noah Tungi is the better blocker than Greg Grant Calcaterra. Yeah, but don't you have stole for that already? Aren't you reproducing the blocking tight end? Maybe yeah, that's but why, maybe that's why Jalen takes off as much as he does because they don't have guys in the pattern. They got two tight ends staying in the block. Well, you know, and I think, and Reggie brought it up. I think people, even Kirk Cousins, one, two, three. That's it. That's your progressions. That's the modern NFL. People don't under, Shane Steichen told you. Don't listen to me. Go read Shane Steichen's transcript. One, two, three. That's it, Jody. You don't need 75 people. The, the 75 guy, and I'm, obviously I'm exaggerating, you're not getting full field progressions anymore. Right. So, 
That's the, just the way it is. Peyton Manning, drop back five steps, yeah. read the whole field, get the ball out. Just doesn't happen in the National Football League anymore. On that, we can agree. All right, uh, partner. Thanks for uh, picking up the slack for me for the first 40 minutes of the show today. Again, my apologies for taking a power hit here in uh, beautiful downtown Marlton. But, I was uh, I was looking forward for the IPA recommendation, but, you know. I had one, and just, we got to go, I know. Uh, the Melon Mike Beard that they created uh, was a great affair. Love a bunch of great people, Meryl Mike, others. Um, we're going to try and get Zach Berman on tomorrow. Uh, Sealski, I talked to a bunch of great guys last night. The actual beer itself, as described, it tastes like juice. Why, why do I need beer that tastes like juice? Fruity and hoppy. No, come on. Give me my barley and my Yeah, meat. you're not. I'm with you. I'm an old school guy when it comes to beer. I don't need all the fruity stuff. I'm a I'm a I'm a Budweiser guy through and through. Have been for 40 years. So uh but it was a good time. And um it had nothing to do with me not being here at the start of the show. That had to do with a power outage. And I still don't have any damn cable. I gotta go fix my cable, McMullen. You wanna try this again tomorrow? I'm gonna try really hard to be here on time. All right, let's do it. I got 40 extra minutes in me. I'll be here. There you go. Johnny Mac will be here, and I'm going to try real hard to be here for the start of the show. So we're back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.